0: Welcome to Conversations with Achievers. I'm your host, Robert White. I'm a mentor to owners, executives, and their teams, and CEO of Extraordinary People LLC. I work with people that want to create extraordinary business performance with less stress, more joy, and more personal fulfillment. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn from your peers as we explore what it takes in terms of attitudes, habits, and behaviors. That achieve extraordinary results results for yourself for your family and your community hello and welcome to conversations with achievers i am delighted to welcome rod collins an old friend of mine actually a, a full self-reveal here and a graduate of uh, one of our programs vision quest for leaders and uh, uh, a guy who's uh, thoughtful and has done a whole bunch of stuff in his life that I think we'll find out more about, and more importantly, what he's learned from it. Rod, welcome to Conversations with Achievers. Thank you, Robert.
1: It's great to be with you again.
0: It is a delight. And uh, I I just mentioned to Rod that normally I don't have authors and consultants and other coaches on this uh podcast I I want people that have actually been there and done that and so I made an exception for Rod even though he's got a new book out that I am thrilled 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 with and and uh, highly recommend we'll talk about that later uh but I, he's on because he's been there and done that uh when I met Rod he was uh running a a, a major job with Blue Cross Blue Shield and the unique part of this rod and i i don't want to embarrass you but it, this is just true one of the things i've always been concerned about is people have these incredible transformational experiences in our programs they learn a, a an aspect of leadership that perhaps had never even occurred to them before and they come out and they create miracles in their life i think uh something that many of them miss is really integrating fully integrating that vision quest experience into their work and i watched this guy that you're just getting to know rod collins actually uh see what we were up to at a at a deep level and put it to work with his team and create some some amazing results and amazing further learning and so Rod, I'm really, really, really happy that you agreed to come on the show and, and talk what you've learned in the past uh, say 10, 15 years, it's been significant.
1: Well, thank you. It's it's great again to be with you, Robert. And I look forward to uh uh talking
0: with our audience. Uh, you know, that uh, that what I'm describing a slightly unusual ability that you have. To take an experience and, in a, I don't know if the right word is dissect it, and then see how it applies on the job. But when you went back to your work after that Vision Quest training, what came out of it that you were able to adapt and use so successfully?
1: I, I think in the Vision Quest experiences, what happens in those rooms is. You really are working with people so that they will form an effective work community and that will develop the aspects of community that both advance the business as well as deliver incredible customer value. Uh, As I came out of the vision quest, the thing I reflected upon is what do we have to do to sustain it? Because getting knowledge was just half of what needed to be done. The second half is You need to have a reinforcing structure that facilitates people working and collaborating together. And in our particular circumstances, uh, I, uh, over the 10 year period after Vision Quest, I spent the first five years leading the operations of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Federal Employee Program, which is a business alliance of 39 separate companies. It was 39 at the time. It's a little fewer today delivering a seamless product and literally it was the largest commercial health insurance account in the world and then uh, after five years I became the program's chief executive and I spent the last five years doing that and when I left the business it was a 19 billion dollar enterprise so it was a complex business but the the insight that is the second half of the transformation and I think that's what we should focus on here because I I think a lot of people have the opportunity to be part of the first half. They know what they need to do but the important thing is how do you do it and you need both the what and the how and that's what we focused in on as after the Vision Quest experience and the light bulb moment was as we were reflecting on how do we build a collaborative enterprise across, across 39 separate companies, which is not an easy thing to do, the insight right. that we had was we lead this business like everybody else does, like it's a hierarchy. We're a network. And much of what you go over with in the Vision Quest program, what you're really doing is, is giving people the skills to operate in an effective network. And so we focused in on that. And in the process of doing that, uh, we literally turned a business around that had uh, low growth and slow performance uh, for two decades. And we got to turn around rather quickly. And um, the five years for which I was the program's chief executive remain to this day, the single largest five-year growth period in the history of this business that's uh, probably about 65 years old now. And it wasn't me. It was the it was the management model, shifting from a top-down hierarchical model to a self-managed peer-to-peer network model, and I think this model is going to be critical for business leaders going forward, for the simple reason that the world is moving much faster today than any single executive can process in real time, and that happens somewhere around 2004, 2008, somewhere in the, first, in the middle of that first decade of, of our new century. And this is significant because before 2008, a, a chief executive officer, somebody like a Lee Iacocca, for example, for those in our audience who remember that, Lee Iacocca literally transformed Chrysler by himself. He brought his own intelligence. He came up with the strategy and he implemented because he could process all that was happening in real time. Today, we can't do that. We've got to build highly effective, self-managed communities in our organizations. And this alternative management model answers the two fundamental questions of organizational structure very differently. Because an organization comes down to two questions. Who decides how does power work? And in the top-down hierarchy, who decides it's the elite people at the top of the organization? And how does power work? Power is essentially a function of force. We may use it benevolently, but it's still force. Executives have the legitimate authority to command people to do what they otherwise might not choose to do. Well, the self-managed network answers the question very, very differently. Who decides? Everyone decides. The team decides. and and decisions are made on a team basis. How does power work? It's a function of an entirely different dimension of power. Not power as force, it's power as energy. And when power as energy is alive and vibrant in the corporation, you can move as fast as the world around you. The importance of of spreading out decision-making, and some of our audience may be skeptical, Uh, Your audience, I'm sure, are highly intelligent people, and I don't question that. Um, What I do question is how much they can process, as I mentioned before. But if they're able to tap into the collective intelligence of an entire team, they're able to correct the two problems that exist in the top-down hierarchy. One is the amplification of unconscious biases uh, and the... the, uh, 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 The second one is an inability to uncover unknown unknowns. And in a rapidly changing world, that is an expanding space and is often where your best solutions rest, and more importantly, where your best opportunities for the future uh, are are, are going forward. Um, This issue of who decides. In a top-down hierarchy in the 20th century, if chief executives made a mistake, they had time to correct for it that time is gone and so let's give our audience a very specific example that they can relate to and well, we're before talk- before yes. we do
0: that rod a, yes. a question you know in and working with my clients one of the words that seems to come up quite often is chaos you know they look at the speed of what's changing around them and the interpretation is this is chaotic This is out of control, you know, and uh, I I don't know what to do. Many of the listeners to this show are small and medium-sized business people. So I think this would be a good time for me to just interject and ask you, because I know you have a wide circle, including me, and I'm blessed to have that. Uh, Are these ideas that you've come to with uh they're hard won and hard thought and and experienced you know you're not talking about some academic treatise here you're talking about on the ground making it work do these ideas that you've developed around power and control and and dealing with chaos do you see them working for the guy that has 30 employees 50 employees
1: yes absolutely uh an example of that is um I write about this in a book, a company called Morningstar. They today, the world's largest tomato processor. But they started as a startup with just a handful of people. And they have been a peer-to-peer network since their birth. And they use this model to become the market leader. Uh, and so when they whether they were 50 people or whether as they are today, somewhere in the vicinity of about 400 people, they've used this same model. Now, Maybe let's talk about the specifics. What does this look like? What it looks like is you organize by teams rather than by departments. Uh, And these teams have a a fair degree of autonomy. And decision-making happens among the teams and the teams don't have single leaders. Uh, Morningstar uses this model and uh, people are free to set up teams. And this is how you can build innovation into your organization. And innovation is a big problem for top-down hierarchies because it's too pious towards the status quo. And I think if, if your listeners are more small than medium size, I would suggest to them, you have an incredible advantage because you can take into yourself this model much better than the very large company can. You, you've got less to break down. But if you, f- if you organize your company rather than into functional departments, but rather into co- cross-functional teams focused on customers, and if people have the ability to form teams other than the ones that you all might think of, you're gonna build innovation into your, into your company. Um, let, me, uh, let me shift gears and, and give an example from a company in Belgium. There was a gentleman named Rose de Bloch who said there's gotta be what better way to do home care, home healthcare nursing, which is really key to the healthcare system in Holland. And he decided that he couldn't change the company he was in. So he started a new company with about a dozen people. Uh, he set them up as an autonomous self-managed team. And they were able to uh, cut the cost of home healthcare by 33%, cut the time that people were in home healthcare Uh, probably by a third as well, because they managed it in a more human fashion. You see, in the hierarchy, nurse A was there on Monday, nurse nurse B on Tuesday, somebody else was there on Wednesday. Well, when the team decided for itself what it was going to do, the same nurse saw the same person and they established relationships that helped with the healing. Today, 70% of the home healthcare workforce works for Sword, which is the name of this company and that was done organically they have transformed and it's it's a model people like to work in better and they innovated the way home health care is done
0: wow you know that what occurs to me here is certainly not original with me but whatever it is we know maybe we learned it through conventional education through our experience Whatever it is we know uh, with the pace of change today has to be renewed, uh, like almost daily, it seems like. And what you knew five years ago isn't necessarily going to work today. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the key to it is in the midst of all the chaos, getting more people engaged. Uh, you know, my expression is focused, aligned and committed and and the the methodology of doing that is what your book is about. I mean when I read it uh it like the top of my head blew off. I thought, you know, here's a guy who's been there, done that and been thoughtful about it. So uh that the idea that that we could really transform in a fundamental way how we think about hierarchy, how mm-hmm. we think about leadership and particularly how we think about you know, the buzzword is empowering people. It ain't just a buzzword. <laughs> you know, it actually has to happen.
1: You know, and it transforms the expectations for the chief. All right. The chief shifts from being, if you will, uh, a commander, okay, into a facilitator. And let me give a specific example. This is something that helped to turn our business around. Uh, The healthcare industry is a very complex, complicated business, and its problems are really ticklish, and uh, one of the things we would do is, you know, again, with this network of 39 organizations, we created a format we call the Collective Intelligence Workshop, and what we do is we would invite about 50 or 60 people from all these organizations come to a central location for two or three days, And we would bring together people from all levels and all areas. It wouldn't just be top level people. What we wanted to do was create a microcosm of the business in the room. And then through facilitated exercises that were focused initially on listening, because there's not enough listening going on in a typical business meeting. And you can't get to your, you can't get to your best intelligence if you're not listening, especially to ideas you may not initially agree with. You may not wind up getting to agreement, but sometimes you do. Uh, in any event, over the course of two or three days, if as we the way we mind information, as people identify particular aspects of problems to be solved, you would hear someone in the room pop up and say, oh, you can't do that. And we would go, why? Because this affects me oh, now we have two things we need to hold in mind as we solve. And invariably, a third person would walk up and say, oh, we need to do this. And what you wind up coming out of this with is two very important things. Number one, you're solving problems holistically. In the typical hierarchy, if that person, A, proceeded along and, and they're like halfway there before the second person says, hey, you can't do that so it's affecting me, You've already spent time, you've already spent money. Now you've got a debate and you've got people fighting each other. In this collective intelligence workshop, we're identifying it before anybody's done anything. And so when we come up with a solution, it's something that works for everybody and it's because we had a process where we could do things holistically. That saved time, It saved money and, and, and made things and, and produces quality. Anybody familiar with a system, a health insurance system, knows how complex and complicated it is. And we use the, this methodology along with others to put in a brand new system. And it was the first time in our history that when we threw the switch, we didn't have a single customer facing issue. And it came in on time and under the budget. And that doesn't happen very often with systems conversions. Why? Because we did this holistic processing. Another thing we did, I want to give very specific examples for the audience. As we were building this with our 39 separate companies, and you can bring the same thing into a a company of 39 people, every two weeks we would have an open call. Anybody could join from, from 39 organizations. Everybody was welcome. And people would bring up issues as we were putting in the new system. And I advise our staff: defend nothing. And when they when they criticize us, ask clarifying questions. Understand it deeply. They're helping us out, okay. And as I said to them, we, we, the system went up January one. It's fine to be chaotic in May, not in December. All right. right and this question. is another thing. In every business, there's you have you have two phases: order and chaos. Hierarchies choose order first. And they get chaos at the end. The order is artificial. So leaders have to learn, especially in rapidly changing times, embrace the chaos and hold it. And people look to you. This is where a facilitator's role is important. They look for you to hold the space so that they can delve into the chaos. And what they most need from you is a sense it's okay. There were times in these collective intelligence workshops, we would ratchet up the chaos. The problem would be deeper than we realized. And I would look at the room and say, does everybody feel completely overwhelmed? Like we're not gonna get this solved. And you could see the nodding heads. And I would say, you're exactly where we need to be because it means we understand the problem. And I would take a break and when we came back, invariably one or two people would say, you know, I was thinking about this and they begin to put out ideas and all of a sudden we're on a pathway to solution. We would have never gotten there if we didn't have a tolerance for chaos in the beginning. Don't have chaos at the end. There should be no tolerance for chaos at the end, but chaos at the beginning is an important part of creative thinking. And if the leader can get comfortable with it and can bring together people cross-functionally and holistically, you will be amazed at the quality. The second thing that you get is when you have a microcosm of your business in the room, and if you have a company of 39 people, you can find time to get them all together. Everybody has a shared understanding of what needs to be done, and they don't have to come to you to keep asking, is this right? Can I do this? They will just naturally know, yep, this is what we need to do.
0: Uh, so clear, Rod, and so valuable. Look, we only have a couple of minutes here, and I want to give you a chance to talk a little about your book. Uh, I mean, I love it, and and I think it's so clear, it's so practical, and yet it's ther- theoretically sound. In my experience, and mm-hmm. I, you know, i I read a lot, I study a lot, I've, I have the the blessing of working intensely with these, particularly owners, owner CEOs, partners people that, that uh, can make a difference in an organization. Uh, how do you recommend the book? I mean, I know it's your book and maybe a little difficult to talk about, but uh, who's the book for? The book is
1: for, it's really for leaders, business leaders, uh, to get them to think about a different way, a radically different way of operating. Because I believe the, the, those who maintain centralized top-down hierarchies will just be one product company. And what companies have to do today, they have to, man- they have to manage their own displacement. Their business and product models will be displaced. Why are you going to let somebody else do it? You should do that. You will not be able to manage your own evolution if you remain a hierarchy. It's too oriented to the status quo. It's too controlling. And it, it's not intelligent enough. And so uh, what this book is filled with is examples, it focuses on three companies that have operated this way. It also draws into the expertise of others who made this transition. And I'd like to leave your audience with a question because this is something they can all relate to on why this is a better model. And the question is this, why don't we have commercial airplane crashes anymore? We used to have three or four a year in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then all of a sudden they dropped. Why? It wasn't better machines. Better machines have helped. But the reason we don't have commercial crashes anymore is they changed the management model in the cockpit. After the crash of United Flight 173, which I write about in the book, the NTSB is listening to the tapes of the cockpit and realized all the information for a safe landing is in the cockpit. But the two co-pilots cannot get through to the captain because they cannot challenge him. And they noticed that what happened with that plane is it ran out of fuel because the captain got myopically occupied on solving one particular problem. And the NTSB team is listening and saying, why isn't somebody saying, Captain, we're running out of fuel. We have to land now because (laughs) they weren't allowed to. And so- what the airlines did all the pilots went through simulated videotape training and they needed to be videotaped so they could see the behavioral change today when an emergency happens the crew goes into team mode and today if there is a captain sitting in the passenger seat in the plane and this would have never happened before this they bring him up because the more minds we have working on the problem the better it is and so this is why we don't have commercial airplane crashes anymore because captains are not commanders, they're facilitators, and they work in a team mode.
0: Rod, thank you for all of this today. There's so much more in the book. I highly recommend it. Uh I, I assume it's on all in all the bookstores and Amazon and all that stuff right now. Yeah, the best place is to get it is Amazon. Yeah. Because then you don't have to address an envelope. i get it uh, i i came to that conclusion myself uh hey my friend thank you for being with us thank you for all that you share thank you for writing this book this is uh, this is a seminal book i think a year from now it's going to be one of those that everybody has read everybody is talking about and more importantly that it is organized in such a way that you can implement these ideas because uh, you tell them how and uh, it, it's uh, it's it's a breakthrough book
1: and Robin it's a pleasure to be with you again i I always enjoy it when we get together
0: much love and respect to you always and thank you for being with us Thank you thanks so much for joining us for conversations with achievers. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for this weekly show, the details are at therobertwhite.com and click on Podcasts. I'm looking for businessmen and women with a story to tell, stories that might benefit other owners and executives. If you got some value from this program, I'd really appreciate you sharing about it on social media and just mentioned www.therobertwhite.com slash podcasts. Of course, subscribing means you won't miss a show and rating the podcast positively will leave Robert smiling. I'm building a movement here for leaders, leaders who want to succeed in business, succeed with their families, have fun, and contribute toward making the world a better place. It's special to me that you chose to listen. I look forward to connecting again next week. Remember, reach out to me anytime with any questions or concerns at therobertwhite.com. Bye for now.